Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central. I'm so glad you guys are here with us today. Uh, There is a QR code right there on the screen if you want to use the camera app on your phone, and you can uh, find the notes there to to follow along. If you'd like to do that, you can do it the old-fashioned way with a a pen and paper, whatever that is, you know, these days. So you can use that if you want to. But uh, hey, before we get begin, I just wanted to say thank you for all of you who have uh, been praying for my family this week, we had a death in our family um, on uh, Holly's side of the family. Her brother passed away. And so all week we've been out of town um, in Nevada trying to take care of all that. Got home the other day and it's been, it's been a whirlwind. And so uh, thank you for your prayers and just continue to pray for, for Holly and um, her parents uh, during this time. We really appreciate it. Uh, but, but God's faithful and we're going to trust him. You know, we, I'm up here all the time, preach it and say it. Uh, talk about it in funerals, and now it's on the other side of it, and we're still going to trust him in the middle of all of it as well. And so uh, thank you for your prayers. And you know what? Uh, I cannot wait until tomorrow because tomorrow on Mondays, we always have sermon or service evaluation time. Our staff gets together, and we look over the soul service and see what we can do better, what was weird, what was awkward, what was great, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was listening to Noah's uh, announcements a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> I just cannot wait till tomorrow happens. Um, it's going to be awesome. There's something about running around the church naked and peeing on the side of the church. I don't know. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good, good day um, tomorrow. We love Noah, and we always give him a hard time, but uh, we do that because we care about him, and he's, he really does a great job and uh, makes it just feel like home around here. Uh, so it does. And, uh, but hey... We're, st- we're starting a new series, and I was thinking about uh, this, this new series, and um, I-, I love movies. I don't know about you guys, but I love movies. I specifically love war movies. War movies are my absolute favorite. Uh, things like Saving Private Ryan or uh, Black Hawk Down or that, that new one, uh, 1917, is a really awesome uh, movie. I, I love like Braveheart. I, lo- I love all those war movies because... They seem so real, and they feel, they feel like they're ordinary people doing, like, extraordinary things. And I feel like I can put myself in their shoes just a little bit compared to, like, you know, some sappy rom- romantic movie. Who wants to watch that? It's terrible. Or maybe you guys like comedies or whatever. I like, I like war movies. Well, I even like old war movies. And if you go back to 1967, there was this, this movie that came out, and it was called The Dirty Dozen. And some of you guys maybe have seen it. The acting is horrible in it, uh, and the, the fight scenes are really funny. And, you know, people get shot, and they're like, ooh, ah, you know, like that kind of thing. It's really funny. But I love this movie because there are these 12 guys, and they were convicts. They were, they were former military, and they were in, in the military prison, and they were, uh, they were rapists and murderers, and they were sentenced to death. And the army called them to a special mission, something that was... Uh, totally, you know, un- unthinkable to happen. And they trained and they were able to, act- to actually fulfill this mission. It was an incredible, incredible story. These guys who were nobodies did something um, extraordinary. And I was thinking about that and I go, you know what? I remember 12 guys who were nobodies who did something incredible. That through their lives, they were able to change the world. And it's the 12 disciples. And so we're, we're titling this series the Dirty Dozen, which I think is a great title for the 12 disciples because these guys were just everyday guys. They were normal men. They had failures. They had fears. Um, they had struggles. They had family lives they were having to deal with. 
They were just normal people just like you and me, and yet God used them in extraordinary ways. And so for the next 12 weeks, we'll take a break right in the middle, but during the next 12 weeks, pretty much the whole summer, we're going to go through every single one of these disciples, and I'm pumped about it because God has a message through their lives for us. Every single one of these men, um, there's a message for us, and so, and they're all different, and man, I'm, I'm pumped and excited about what God has in store for us. So let, me, let, me, let me just describe these guys. Let me, let me read them to you. So if you go to Mark chapter 3, there'll be a lot of different places today. You can, if you're really good at like flipping through the Bible, go for it. But if you just want to look at the screen, you can do that today. But Mark chapter 3, here's what the Bible says when it describes these dudes. He says this. So the Bible says this. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, or however you say that, that is sons of thunder, okay? Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, who betrayed him. So the first disciple that we're going to talk about today is this guy named Simon. And Simon is given, his real name is Simon, but he's given a, a name, a new name, which is Peter. And so maybe if you were to title this sermon, it would be Peter the Proud. Peter was a man who, who was very arrogant. He was a man who had a lot of pride, and it kind of defines him in a special way. Let me, let me go give you some background to this guy. So Peter, or Simon, he's our first disciple because he was the closest to Jesus. He was the one um, who was the leader of the disciples. He was the spokesman of the group. And he grew up around the Sea of Galilee. So he's always around water. He became a fisherman. He, he settled in Capernaum, which is this, this fishing village um, right on, on the, the sea. And he was actually married. He had a wife. I'm not sure if he had any kids, but he had a family. He had a mother-in-law um, that we know of. And so he had all of those responsibilities that almost all of you guys out here understand. You're not, you're not a single person, you're married, you have a family, you're, you're dealing with different things. That's what he was dealing with. And he had a fishing business, so he's a leader. And then his brother, Andrew, meets Jesus and says, Simon, you got to meet this guy. Here's what it says in John chapter 1 and verse 40. It says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was this guy named Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, but you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Cephas, crazy name, that's Aramaic, okay, for the same thing as, as Peter, and Peter is Greek. But after this encounter, Jesus meets up with Peter again. So he didn't call him yet, he just met him, kind of the, the first impression and then we, we know this next story. If you've been around the Bible at all, you know this next story where Peter is out on the water. He's fishing. And he wasn't just normal fishing. He was fishing at night and on days off because he is trying to make ends meet. He's struggling as, as, a, as a husband, as the caretaker of his family. He's trying to make ends meet, and he is devastated because he can't catch anything, can't, can't, can't make any money. And he is going to shore, and he is just... He's downcast. And Jesus meets him on the shore and says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back out. I want you to throw the, throw the nets back out. And Peter's saying, are you kidding me? Like, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm a fisherman. I've, I've, been, I've grown up on this water. I know where all the, the best fishing spots are, and it's not right there at all. 
And he says, Jesus says, go do it. And so Peter says, fine, I'll, I'll do it. And you know the story, he throws, throws the nets out. There's so much fish that he had to call in his buddies, he had to call in the other crews, the other ship, other boats to come over and, 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 and bring up all the, these fish. And here's what it says in verse 8 of Luke chapter 5. It says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said this, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He realized, he recognized who Jesus was and who he was compared to Jesus. And he says, man, I, I, depart from me. I, I can't be near you. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken in. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. We'll talk about these guys a little bit later. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So begins this three-year journey of Peter walking with Jesus. And of all the disciples, we have more information about Peter than, than probably any, anybody else. We know about his past before he met Jesus. We know what his life was like. We know about the ministry that, that he did when he was with Jesus. But we also know the incredible things that, of ministry that he did after Jesus went up to heaven. And so the question is, you know, what does God have in store for us through Peter's life? A guy that we maybe are, are very familiar with. Well, I believe God has a couple messages for us, some, a couple principles for life. Um, and, and the first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. God is more interested not in who you've been, but who you're meant to be. God's not interested in your past. He's interested in your future. When we look at Simon's life, when we look at Simon Peter's life, we think of a nobody, an ordinary guy. He's just trying to make ends meet. He's just trying to get by. He wasn't educated. He wasn't anything special. He wasn't someone you walk down and say, oh, that person's going to be famous one day. Or that's some, that's some, that person's going to do something with their life one day. He was just an ordinary guy. And I think for a lot of us, we can relate to that. We can relate to just the ordinary people. Then Jesus showed up in his life. Instead of calling him Simon... He gave him a nickname, and he gave him the name Peter. He gave him the name Peter, not to remind him of his past, but to tell him, I've got a future for you. I've got something different for you. Because you know what the, the name Peter means. It means the rock. I mean, he, he gave him the name the rock. That's a cool name. I mean, you can imagine Peter walked around with the disciples for the next three years and said, guys, remember my nickname? It's the rock. It's the rock. You're, you're, you're James the less. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Peter the rock. You know what I'm saying? This is that's an awesome nickname. But the reason Jesus gave him this nickname is because he was trying to say, here's what your future is like. You are going to be the rock. This is what I want you to be. I don't care about your past. I care about your future. And so the question for us is, what about us? And what about you? If Jesus was to give you a name that described your future, what would it be? What would it be? What would your name be? Would your name be an evangelist? Would your name be a peacemaker, a prayer warrior, a forgiver, a sacrificial giver, a preacher, a missionary? What does God have in store for you? Because a lot of times we look at our past and say, God can never use me. And so my future is really bleak. Yeah, God says, you know what, you know what, I've got something different for you. Because he said that to Simon. He said, Simon, your name is no longer that. Your name is going to be Peter. And you know what, when he called, when he called Peter Simon again, every time he did that is because when, when, when Peter would go back to his old ways. 
And he's reminding them, saying, hey, Simon, why are you being Simon? You're no longer Simon. I've got something different for you. That's what Jesus wants to teach us today. It's not about our past, but it's about our future. It's about what God has in store for us. Because a lot of us, here's the deal. That's how it is. We all have a past. A lot of times we look at our past and say, man, that's disqualifying me from doing life. That's disqualifying me from this, this ministry that God has put on my heart. So I really can't do that because I've screwed up in the past. If that is the case, you can just wipe all 12 of these guys off, right? They're never going to be used by God. But God said, no, that's not how it's going to be. I'm going to use the unqualified and do extraordinary things in their life. And he can do the same thing with us. Peter, he did some, he did some awesome things. He was a great man of God. That's what he ended up being. He was strong-willed. He was impulsive. But you know, a lot of times he was a jerk. A lot of times he was, he was brash. And for all of his strengths, he had a lot of failures. He had a ton of failures. And I think even in the middle of his failures, there's a message for us. Even in the middle of our failures, there's a message for us. Like learning from someone's mistakes is, what, is a great principle for life. And here's the second thing that I think God wants to teach us this morning. It's this. That the path of a Jesus follower is marked with missteps. Thank goodness. Thank goodness that the path of, of a Jesus follower is marked with missteps. Because Peter had a lot of them. He was a screw up a lot of times. So here's what I want to do. I just want to look at a couple of his, his mistakes. And look at some missteps that we share with Peter. Because we can't just look at him and say, man, you're a big screw up, man. I can't believe you did that. Because here's the deal. We do every single one of the things that Peter did. Look at this. In Matthew chapter 14, they're, on the, they're, on the, they're in the boat. The storm is raging. They are fearful for their lives. They are hanging on to the boat for dear life, and they see Jesus walking on the water in the middle of that storm, and what does Peter do? He steps out of the boat, right? He steps out of the boat, and he begins to walk. How awesome is that? How many of y'all would like to walk on water? Because the only people I know in history that walked on water are Jesus and Peter. And Peter got to walk on water. And it wasn't just this calm pond kind of water. I mean, it's this terrible, raging storm. And Peter is walking. But we know the rest of the story because he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And he begins to sink. And here's a misstep that Peter had. And it's our misstep as well. Misstep number one is this. When our godly intentions quickly turn to personal preservation. Think about your life. You ever had these great um, godly intentions, things you wanted to do, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. And then, and then pretty soon you're like, mm, no, I'm going to take control back. And that's what Peter did. He was like, I'm trusting you, God. He's walking on water. He's like, this is, oh no, right? He, 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 he changed his perspective. And all of a sudden his perspective went from trusting God to saying, I've got to have control back. That's a huge sin and a misstep that we all have in our lives. That's misstep number one. Misstep number two, we see in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus speaking about his, he's speaking about his, his death and Peter, <laughs> he's like, Jesus, I need to talk to you, buddy. Pulls Jesus aside and he, he rebukes Jesus. He says, Jesus, don't talk that way. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I would never say that to Jesus, okay? All right? And P Peter says this to Jesus. And here's this misstep, number two, when we think we know better than the Lord. We do that sometimes with our own lives, with how we're raising our kids, with our finances. 
Say, God, I, I know you've got these plans, but I know better. I know better. That was his misstep. That's ours as well. Here's another one, Matthew 17. Peter's up there on the mountain at the, the transfiguration, and Moses and Elijah and Jesus are hanging out and talking. That's pretty awesome. And Peter sees it, and Peter begins to make plans. And he begins to say, you know what, we, here's what we can do. We can set up three tents for you guys. We'll have all this, we have all this planned out. And all of a sudden he realizes that he has he stepped across this boundary, this line he should not have crossed. And he realizes, oh my goodness, what have I done? And he falls down on his face in repentance. But here, this was his misstep. He made plans for the Lord. And sometimes we make, mis, we make this misstep and we make plans for the Lord, especially for our own lives. And we say this, we say, God, here's what I'm going to do. We tell God in our prayer life, God, here's what I'm gonna do. Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I am this open book, and I, and I pray that for my life, that my life would be an open book. But the reality is, for me, and probably for almost all of us, is that we have these closed-hand issues. Our kids, our finances, our future, our, our retirement plans, or whatever. We, we take those and say, you know what, I've got this. I'm in control. I've got all these plans. And God might maybe knocking on your heart and saying, you know what, I want you to do something different. And we say, mm, I've already got these plans. I've already got these plans. Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? Get us one life. Let me live it for your glory. What do you want me to do? That was his misstep, and it's ours as well. Here's another one. In John chapter 18, they're in the garden. Jesus is getting arrested. What does Peter do? Pulls out his sword. That's pretty manly and awesome. Takes out his sword, chops a dude's ear off. Okay, cool. Great job. Mm, not really, okay? So Jesus, he rebukes him, tells him, no, that's not your place. He heals the soldier, and here's, here, this was his misstep. Number four, when we try to protect the faith but hurt the lost. Sometimes we do that. And we have this idea of what church needs to be like and what church to, we want our church to be like. And so we look at the lost and say, hey, you're welcome as long as you dress like me and act like me and talk like me and do church things like me. Come on. But as soon as someone comes into the room and they act a little bit different, they talk a little bit different, they don't understand our culture and our values, we say, mm, we gotta push, we push back against them. And we do that maybe out of a, maybe initially of a good heart. We want the church to be preserved. We want it to be a great place for people to be, and yet we realize that the church is not for you. It's for the lost. This place is not for us. It's for those that aren't here yet. And a lot of times we try to preserve the church and preserve the faith, but we hurt the loss. And that's what Peter did, and we do it as well. Here's the last one, misstep number five. In Matthew 26, Peter said, I've got your back, Jesus. Got it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny you, even though everybody else is going to. I, I'm, your, I'm the leader. I'm your favorite one. I'm in this inner circle of disciples. There's no way I'm ever going to deny you, and we know what he did. He denies Jesus three times really quick, and here's his misstep, and it's ours as well. When our witness is driven by convenience rather than obedience. Hmm. So what happens is when God's tugging our heart to, to share our faith, and we realize there might be a cost to it, Maybe it's a financial cost. Maybe it's a relationship cost. 
Maybe it's a position cost, or maybe it's just an inconvenience cost. When it's inconvenient for us, we're silent. We're silent. And we look at Peter and you're like, man, how could you deny Jesus? I can't believe you would do that. I would never do that. If I'd walked with Jesus, I'd have been totally different. We always say those kind of things. I say those things inside my head when I, when I read their stories. But his verbal denial is the same as our silent denial. When God is calling us to share our faith, to be bold in our witness, and we're silent, God knows. We're denying him. It's a sin. It's a terrible sin. But here's the point. Even with Peter's call, he still failed. And that's sad, but that gives us hope. That gives us hope. Because let me tell you this. God is bigger than your blunders. And his forgiveness is greater than your failures. If you remember anything today, it's that. It's that. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 says. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, and by grace you have been saved. It says, but God, being rich in mercy. It's saying, no matter what, God has mercy for you. No matter what. And thank God that he didn't discard a Peter, saying you're, you're unqualified. And thank God he doesn't look at us in our lives and disqualify us and say and discard of us. Because our church is full of failures and it's populated by the unqualified. We have, we have former inmates, we have drug addicts, we have um, alcoholics, we have adulterers, divorcees, we have liars, we have cheaters, we have fakers, we have deceivers in our, in our church. And I'm, I'm just talking about the staff right now, okay? <laughs> it's a terrible joke. It landed in the first service, so I thought I'd do it again. But that's so true, isn't it? Every single one of us, we are completely unqualified to be used by God. But he still uses us. He still calls us. So what's the point? Well, Proverbs 16, 18 speaks to us and says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Where does our failure come from? Where does our sin come from? It comes from pride. That's what we call Peter, Peter the proud. Because of his pride. And Peter's life is a reminder of this, that every Christian screws up. Every single one of us. And it's usually because of our pride. And what is pride? Pride is an arrogant attitude that, that grows or manifests itself as independence from God, saying, God, I don't need you. It's this arrogant attitude saying, God, I don't need you. I can take care of, of, of my issues. I can take care of my problems. I can, get, I can take care of my life. And it's sin. And it was Peter's sin, and it's our sin. And we all fall, and we all fail, and Peter sure did as well. But God saw this great potential in him. And that's good news, that he saw this potential in him. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 16. He says, I tell you, you are not Simon, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, every Christian screws up, but there's hope. There's hope for all of us. And your weaknesses and my weaknesses, 
they don't disqualify us from being loved by God and being used by God. Are there consequences to our sin? You bet there's consequences to our sin. But God's grace is bigger than those things. God's grace is bigger. And so here's this final question I think we need to all ask ourselves as we kind of finish up and wrap up talking about Peter. Something we need to all ask ourselves. If Peter, why not me? If God can use Peter, why can't he use me? Me being an ordinary guy. You being an ordinary person. All of us being failures. If God can use Peter, why can't he use us? And God did. He used Peter in a big way. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up in front of all these people in Jerusalem. And he preaches his first sermon. And it was the greatest sermon of his life. And 3,000 people get saved. That's a good day, okay? That is an awesome day of God working in his life. Later, Peter gets to heal a lame beggar, which is pretty awesome as well, be able to heal somebody. And then he preached when he was not in good situations, when he is in, on trial, literally on trial, he is, he is preaching the gospel message. He was arrested and he didn't give up. He was beaten and he didn't quit. And he was, he was threatened with death and it didn't matter to him. Peter did some incredible things for the Lord. And later on in his life, he meets this guy named John Mark. And Mark sits down with Peter and says, tell me all about Jesus. Tell me about him. What happened? What was he like? What was your relationship like with him? So Peter begins to, to, to tell him all these, this eyewitness testimony. That's how we get the gospel of Mark. When you read Mark, you know what you're, you're reading? You're reading Peter's story, his eyewitness testimony. He was able to tell Mark all those things, and Mark wrote it down, which is awesome. That's, that's Peter's message to us is, is the gospel of Mark, which has gone throughout the world. And Peter, it all came from Peter. We also get First and Second Peter. And a lot of the New Testament was influenced by Peter. Look at the book of Acts, the first 12 chapters. It's pretty much all about Peter and his leadership and influence. He ended up being an incredible man for the Lord. And Jesus in John chapter 21 says, hey, sorry to tell you this, but you're going to die a martyr's death. And it didn't matter to Peter. Peter said, I'll take it. We don't know how Peter died, but we think that, that he was, tradition says he was crucified upside down. It would be a terrible way to go because he didn't want to be crucified upright just like his Lord. He said, I'm, I'm unworthy to do that. Until the end, he was faithful to the Lord. You see, Peter, he was unqualified, but God changed that. God changed his, him being unqualified to be him being used in a mighty and special way. Because here's the deal, guys. People recognize a couple things about Peter. One, that he was unschooled, and also that he was uneducated. But they looked at him and said, there is something incredibly different about Peter. And here's what the Bible says that, that they said. They said, he's been with Jesus. He has been with Jesus. Being with Jesus changes everything. It really does. And the question I have for us this morning has, is this, have you been with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you said, you know what? My sins are great. They are many. And I need help. I need help. Jesus' message for us today is this, is that, that he, he's there for you. He wants, he wants a great future for you. The problem is, 
we hold our past on our backs. And we spend our lives struggling far from the Lord, saying, I'm going to try to make myself right before God. And we can't. We can't. Jesus is the only way. The Bible says that Jesus, he didn't come to save the righteous or those who think they have it all together. No, it says that he came to save sinners. And sinners are people that realize that they're messed up. And so if you realize that you're messed up, Jesus is the answer. He says, I have come to save you. I have come to change you. I've come to transform you. But all you got to do is have a little faith. All you got to do is pray and say, God, I need you. Forgive me my sins. Help me. Change me. And he will. For many in this room, you, you've done that. For some of you guys, you haven't. Maybe today is the day you need to do that. And, and our staff will be over here in the connection room. As soon as the service is over, we'd love to sit down and talk with you about that. There's a lot of us in this room who say, you know what, I've done that. My past is still on, on top of my shoulders. And I feel like I cannot be used by God. God can still use you. I believe there are people in this room that God is calling to be leaders of this church and you're just sitting on the sidelines right now because you say, I can't be used by God. Look at my past. I can't be used by God because look at my lack of talent. And God's saying, I don't care about any of that. I care about your future. I'm calling you by a different name and I want to use you. Guys, we have one life to live. Let's, let's, let's live it for him in his glory. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for, your, for your, the message you've given all of us today. Every time I'm up here just talking, I, I, I feel so humbled, God, because it's, it's speaking to me as well. Thank you that your word every day speaks to us. And the life of Peter speaks to us. An ordinary guy, an unqualified guy, being used by you in an incredible way, and the world has changed. Not because of Peter's talents and abilities because of you, because he knew you, he walked with you. So God, I pray that we would be people of faith that walk with you and God, that you would change our lives. You would change our understanding of that our past is the past. And yes, we may deal with the consequences of that, but God, we do not have to drag it around with us. You are calling us to a better future and you're calling us to something special. Each one of us can be used by you. Each one of us can have a ripple effect in our lives that can change the world. This church can change the world. If we have people of faith who say, God, my future is open-handed. What do you want me to do? What name are you calling me? What does my future look like? Help me to have faith to step out of the boat because the boat is safe, but that's a wasted life. Help us, God, to have faith to trust you, to trust you, God. Thank you for Peter's life and his example of a man who had a lot of pride, who made a lot of mistakes, but you forgave him and you still used him, and that is great news for us today. So we thank you. God, convict us, change us, challenge us to step out in faith and be used by you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.